This episode of the School of Last podcast is brought to you by Patreon supporter Sandy Joy Chadwick. If you'd like to learn how you can support the podcast through a small recurring monthly donation and also join Club 52, visit schooloflast.com forward slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And we also have another sponsor. Hi, this is Leslie Norris Townsend, and I'm here to invite you to be a part of the Clean Comedy Challenge 2017 in Pasadena, California, and in Chicago, Illinois. This is our seventh year for this one-of-a-kind conference that includes three days of learning, writing, performing, and hanging with the pros in the comedy business. The Clean Comedy Challenge invites comedians of all levels for a chance to work on a real comedy stage with an added church venue at each location. Past attendees include Johnny W., Claiborne Cox, Marty Simpson, Andy Benango, Mike Paramore, Charlene May, and Todd Justice. So if you work clean or just want to work clean, go to www.cleancomedychallenge.com. When you register, make sure you mention the School of Laughs podcast so I know where you came from. Remember, there's no auditioning, limited space, early fee before May 1st. Come on, get on board the cleancomedychallenge.com train. Woo! Welcome to the School of Laughs podcast, brought to you by schooloflaughs.com. Whether you're an aspiring comedian, a part-time pro, or a speaker who wants to become funnier, this is the podcast for you. We'll break down tools, tips, and techniques to help you get bigger, better, and more bookable. And now, here's the show. Well, welcome to the podcast. Thanks again to our sponsors, Sandy Joy Chadwick, through Patreon and the Clean Comedy Challenge. Make sure you check out uh, the Clean Comedy Challenge, a couple of different locations, and definitely worth your investment. Hey, a uh, couple of quick announcements for me before I get into the interview today with Funny Business Agency, uh, an agency up in Grand Rapids, Michigan, that I've been getting work from and working for since 1992. How about that? And they're still in business because they do things the right way. They're good guys. And I got to visit the home headquarters in Grand Rapids and talk to Jameson. Yoder about how business is running today compared to how it was back in the day and how they handle coordinating all the comics and all the different things when they do the Laugh Fest Festival up in Grand Rapids in conjunction with Gilda's Club. So a pretty cool episode and I know you're going to get a lot of information straight from the horse's mouth on how they go about finding comics, booking comics, and what they expect from the comics that they put on their shows. Uh, Just the announcements I have are May 13th. I've got the Business of Comedy class coming up in Nashville, Tennessee, actually just outside in Hermitage at the headquarters for School of Laughs. That's going on May 13th from 1 to 4 p.m., and it's a business comedy seminar. You're going to walk out of there knowing everything I know about the comedy business, and you'll get it in just three hours. Uh, if you sign up for that, it's only $99, and that'll save your spot. Spaces are limited. I've got three reserved right now. I have two more spaces left, so if you want to get in on that class, email me at schooloflaughs at gmail.com so I know you're serious about it, and I'll communicate back with you and get you signed up. And lastly, um, I don't know how much I talk about it on the show, but uh, I am the president of the Christian Comedy Association. And this year we have our annual conference in Mount Juliet, Tennessee, just outside of Nashville. It's June 4th, 5th, and 6th. You've heard a lot of the CCA comics here on the podcast. Brian Bates, Johnny W., Leslie Townsend Norris, Darren Streblo. I mean, just to name a few, Derek Michael Tennant. Tons of comics that have been on the show are part of the CCA. And if you're a Christian and a comedian and maybe you want to know 
how to tie those things together a little more tightly and uh, do shows that have a bigger impact, this is a great conference. And you can email me at christiancomedyassociation at gmail.com if you want to find out more about that. But I'd be happy to clue you in. Uh, you can check out christiancomedyassociation.com and check out the website and look at the uh, all the breakout sessions. We've got some really great stuff going on. And I'd be remiss if I did not mention that to you guys. All right, let's get right into this week's episode with Jameson Yoder of the Funny Business Agency in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Well, this is Rick Roberts back with the School of Last podcast here in Grand Rapids, and I'm at the headquarters, a nice fourth floor view overlooking Grand Rapids, a funny business agency with Jameson Yoder. How's it going, sir? Hey, great to be on here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And I was just talking to you a second ago. The first time I saw you, you were probably like seven. Yeah, I was probably, uh, yeah, I was. that got me thinking. That was really my first job uh, before the internet and well yeah probably yeah before the internet i used to pull packets to send to clubs of headshots and bios and we'd mail them their schedule and we had a big vhs wall oh, of yeah. uh submissions and <laughs> stuff that we would send to corporate groups so yeah that was that was a long time ago <laughs> it yeah. seems like a long time ago well it probably was i mean your dad john started funny business and do you know what year it started uh it was probably the mid 80s yeah formally i mean he did book some booking before that but i think the actual company kind of got incorporated in the mid 80s awesome and did he start with anything besides comedy at the beginning and evolve into comedy i know some guys started with rock and roll and they found that comedy was an easier fit sometimes he was a, a college programmer he went to school uh out here uh at grand valley before it was grand valley and um then got into film actually so he ran like an art house cinema and then from there they started doing booking comedy at clubs and started route one of the first people to kind of route comedy through the midwest and that's cool went from there so i didn't know that about him so he's a film buff yeah i wouldn't say that he's a film buff i don't know how much he stayed with it but he was really into like experimental you know art house theater and he ran a little place called the bijou over okay. in east town here that's pretty cool yep and so he had the kids kind of working in there doing some stuff you know i can't even imagine the amount of vhs tapes that were probably stacked against the wall just from comics yeah we had bookshelves and bookshelves full and every time we would move offices it was like you had remember filing cabinets oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. we had so many so many filing cabinets and we had i mean it was just it was a system you know you'd mail now you just we just click a button and we send the schedule out to the clubs and now it's all electronic but yeah we would pull and then if there'd be a change, we'd have to mail out a new headshot and a new bio, and we would Xerox all the oh, yeah. bios and, you know, have comics send us three dozen headshots or whatever. Yep. yep. I remember stopping by the office, probably, probably the time that I saw you, and uh, John's like, go in there and just check your bio and, you know, yeah. collect your folder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I pulled out pictures of, like, my very first headshot. I'm like, oh, we got to toss this. And every time I drove through, i bring some, you know, VHS tapes. Yeah. Because it was 385 per tape to mail out back then like yep unless you shipped a whole box and got some kind of mail you know what they call it book rate or something yeah but you could scam that back in the day but they're they're pretty tight on the book right now yeah yeah you'd have to yeah the videos yeah we would say it, would, it was so funny thinking back on it now because you'd have 10 minutes on a whole vhs tape and that was like your real mm-hmm. so to speak you know literally I yeah. Guess. yeah that was the whole nine yards yeah. and did he ever make you watch comics um i probably did some on my own just to like kind of he wasn't it, it was never a hard pressure like uh-huh. you're gonna get into this business and you know this is what you've got to do um you know it was more like if you want to try this you can and get into it but yeah i i probably i watched some tapes and even um 
even when I kind of started formally, we were kind of at the tail end of getting out of that and getting into like DVDs then, because we used to get, when I started, we would still get DVD submissions. Man, (laughs) you know, this is one thing I'm glad I never did was like book shows, you know, it's like looking through all that. Plus, I mean, you've got to know the different styles of the comics, so you book the show right, so it builds, there's a million little things that go into it, plus who's available and who's routed. Right. So you guys, and I remember, was it Mark? Was there yep, a guy named Mark? Mark? Yep. Yeah, there's two Marks, actually. Is he, he's, he's been gone for a while, the one yep. I was probably thinking of. Yep, called probably Mark Colo. Yeah, Mark Colo. Yep. And so I would usually interact with him, and he was really cool. And I remember him you know, coming in, and I'd just bring my little calendar, and he'd say, what do you yep. got open? Let me see what I can do for you. Yep. And he was real generous and real real nice guy. Yep. But he also, uh, you know, just sitting there talking to him there for like 20 minutes, the phone must have rang like 80 times. <laughs> yeah, well, that's all there was then. It was like... No know, email yeah. at the yep. beginning. Right. So I just can't imagine how how difficult that was. And, and there's new difficulties, I'm sure. You know, yeah. everything changes right. in a way. Well, now you're accessible to everyone. I mean, I guess you had the phone. You could screen a call, but now you just... It's email is just like out of control, you know? And what does your just average email intake a day look like? Is it... In the, well, I don't. We you, I we make Alicia deal with all the. That's right. So you, <laughs> the, yeah. You've got a gatekeeper. We've got now. a gatekeeper now. Um, How many trickle through? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we have we've kind of got the wheelhouse. It's probably in the hundreds, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I don't know. Her volume's probably the highest. Or we get we kind of all get submissions, and we kind of have our silos that we kind of. You should look at this. You look at this. You deal with this. Is this person ready to move here? So. It gets a little more. There's a little more of a system, right? And Alicia handles all the contracts as well, and she's in charge of mailing those out and yep. making yep. sure the comics tracks, get them back. Yep, yep. On time. she tracks. She's uh, yeah, she's great about that. Yep, she does. Well, she she'll generate the contracts and send them out, make sure they get back. And same thing with the on the comic side. You you know you probably dealt with her. And yeah, yeah, yeah. She's great. And I'm, and again, I remember in the old days actually having to get the thing mailed to me the yeah. the, the yeah. itinerary with the the run if we're going to do you know five nights you know the, all the all the little lake towns right. in Michigan during the summer Muskegon yep. and then up to Traverse City and all all around then the radio that would go with it yep you know you had all that in advance so much paper it was a ton of paper, but you know, <laughs> when I was like a new comic in the early mid '90s, I was like, "Oh, this is official, man!" They yeah, they, right. they printed this stuff out. Yeah, the gig's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, we used to have a. I remember we used to have a postage machine, and so we would have the thing where you could slide. You'd slide the envelope right there, would put the po- <laughs> digital postage on it, like right there, and stamp it. it. Would even seal the envelope, like add a little sponge on it, so you'd slide those through to like mail wow. everything out. It was like its own. Yeah, we were our own little post office there. Yeah, just jamming. It's not now. You're not the only kid that ended up working. In the business, right? Correct. I'm the oldest, and I was the first. And then, uh, yep, Eric, the middle, uh, our middle brother, came on and does a lot of the club stuff. And then Michael, uh, who is the youngest brother, is also here now and does uh, colleges mostly and some of our marketing stuff. Um, and we've got Alicia, who does our administrative stuff, and then we have two other guys that do outside corporate sales for us. That's a lot of, a lot of moving parts, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. And then how... In general, uh, like how far out are the clubs booked that when you guys are lining up the comics? Is quarterly um, or it depends. It's probably we try to stay at le- at a minimum three months out, but some of them, depending on the room, will be almost up to a year out. Like Grand Rapids is really the only club that I still book myself. Mm-hmm. I do mostly um, corporate stuff and then Laugh Fest. Uh, so most of the clubs, I would say three months to a year. That's great. And the club here in the Bob has been going on for how long? Um, I think since 91. Has it really been that long? Yeah, because there was a, a time the Comedy Den was here. That's where I used to yep, work. Out in, that was out in Cascade, and there was 
a brief overlap of time. I think maybe a couple years where okay. they were both going at the same time, and then that went out, and then uh, Grins has been the one. Yeah, the Comedy Zone was a cool place. Yeah. It used to be like a skating rink or something, I think, before. Yeah, it was like a big warehouse kind of a space. It might have been like indoor baseball or something. It could even. have been. Because then after the club went out there, they turned it into a maze, a place called Maze Craze, where they built a huge indoor right. maze, and so that used to be like a teen hangout kind of a thing there. You know, they could have combined the two concepts. And I like, know, they, they totally to should have. Yeah, right. The community's like, it's my, where's my audience? They've got to find you. doing a set alone in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great, man. Yeah, that club was uh, very interesting. I get to work with a lot of good comics there. You know, Bobcat Goldthwait, and man, there was a bunch of... I mean, everybody was booked back. And you guys yeah, still well, book a lot of the, the top names here at the Bob, right? Yeah. Yeah, this is, yep, it's a, yep, they're a good, they're a good room. They still do, you know, they're probably an A room, yeah. I would say so. And let me ask you really quickly before I get into some specifics for new comics sure. listening. Um, yeah. How long ago did you guys partner with the Gildas Club and, and put the Laugh Fest together? And, like, how did that all evolve? Who made the first step? Um, so that... I think 2011 was the first year, and uh, Gilda's Club of Grand Rapids is the one that puts it on, and they had a big vision um, for their, they're one of the the busiest and largest Gilda's Clubs in the country, and um, it was their 10-year anniversary, and so they wanted to do something big, and they came up with the idea of doing this 10-day festival, which is pretty crazy to think about, especially in this size market. I mean, that's what always it blew was, me away. It was bold for sure, um, but to their credit, they had the vision for it and they d- laid all the groundwork of getting the community on board, the sponsors on board. I mean, and uh, so I think we kind of got together with them through uh, booking Dr. Grins mm-hmm. and knowing that, and then um, there was another guy that kind of helped book the first year, and then we took it over from the second year on through today and work it we'll start to work on next year soon um and it's been a great i mean it's just been a great partnership i mean we're certainly honored and humbled to be able to be a part of all of the important work that they do oh yeah and um and i mean it's just been great for comedy in the city too i mean it's really raised the profile it's a huge annual event in the community and everyone looks forward to it they get great talent they treat the talent right i mean it's they're they really do it right. And how many, te- just for people who haven't heard of the Laugh Fest here in Grand Rapids, give them an idea of how many shows you put on and what types of shows. Because it's, you really, uh, what I liked about it is you had something for everybody. Yeah, I mean, it, they do everything. They, they've they got the 2400 seat theater in here, DeVos Hall. So they do shows there, everything. And then down to this year, we did shows in a 60 seat room called Dog Story Theater. And then there's literally everything in between. Uh, there's in the hundreds of events and that ranges from free programming community stuff to ticketed shows and they've got stuff for they very intentional about programming um, having different ticket prices having a good diversity in the lineup in terms of styles um, so you've got clean you know clean comedy showcase which is probably what you did and mm-hmm. then um, you know they do a dirty show and there's I mean it really runs the gamut there's something there literally is something for everyone <laughs> yeah no I, I enjoyed it we, yeah I was on that clean comedy showcase which was I think sponsored by like Bissell yeah yeah right. which I just love the whole idea of I know exactly right? cleaning up the act here <laughs> yep taking care of the popcorn on the floor and cleaning the comedy up at the same time but like that week uh, you know you had like the little hangout room for the comics and stuff and uh, I'm sitting there and this is how like dumb I am you know I'm sitting there I'm, 
these guys are playing table tennis, ping pong, and I'm like, that guy looks like Judah Freelander. I want to be the <laughs> Judah Freelander impersonator, you know? And then I look up, and he's like, he's on the bill later on somewhere that night, you know? Right. I'm yep. like, oh, okay, yep. this is a legit play. This is a yeah. legit thing going on here. Yep. And uh, maybe Sinbad was in that week and somebody else. Like, it just was a great the lineup every night there was somebody yeah you heard and then there was guys like me doing the clean comedy yep. showcase and that was a fun i think we had two groups of four comics doing yep. that yeah there's usually eight comics on that so yep there's those showcases which i actually are the most fun for me because it's either a lot of people i kind of know or want to mm-hmm. see or get to know or that we work with you know on more of a regular basis and for corporate stuff or club stuff and then right. you know you've got the bigger name shows of course too but and you also accommodate like new comics. There's like a new comic showcase. Yep, they it? do showcases. Yep, so they do those on off nights. And, and this year, actually, we did most of them on the on the weekends. But yeah, that's, oh, that's good. Yep, yeah, you can you can get up there, and uh, they are pretty good about accepting. I mean, there's a place for everybody. And how do if somebody's listening? Like, man, I've never been to a festival at all. Like, what's the process for them to get on your radar for that? Um, so it's a combination. Some of the so like the clean the the booked shows and the ticketed shows are kind of invitation, um, and we uh, kind of keep an eye on people throughout the year. We get recommendations from other comics. They're people that we've kind of watched, you know, their career the last year or whatever. Um, and then there's kind of the submission level stuff where anyone can literally submit, and it's most it's akin to other festivals where you submit a. You know, how often do you do comedy? Where would you place yourself from a, you know, first-timer to a host to a feature to a headliner? Um, you submit a video link, and gotcha. and then those kind of get grouped into the, the other showcases. Cool. So there's some there's opportunity for everybody. and Yeah, if you want to do it, I encourage you to do it. It's great. And they've started doing some stuff the last couple of years where they do some networking events and stuff, and uh-huh. they've got some panels. And so there's more of that, some more value there for the comics that are traveling in for those shows. Yeah, and also talk about the volunteer aspect because I think a lot of comics miss the the idea. Like if you can't get into the showcase, you could volunteer and and help and also have tickets to any show that's not fully sold out, right? Um, the way they've kind of done it. Yeah, yeah. The volunteer. Yep, they do most of the volunteer stuff is actually local. Is a lot is a lot of local because they do like volunteer training and stuff. But yeah, you can volunteer to yep help out and like you said, you can probably request like your top three shows. Like I want to volunteer for this show or right. whatever. But yeah, there's there's a lot of ways to get involved. F- if if you don't do the if you're actually not performing and you just want to volunteer and check it out, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I was really impressed with the way the whole thing ran from from checking into the hotel all the way through the the courtesy room to the shows, the attendance, and uh, just the way the Gildas House folks, you know, Gildas Club folks. Yeah, interacted. I credit with them. They, I mean, the back end we do. I mean, we partner with them pretty closely for the booking part but a lot of the logistical stuff and getting the community involved and all everything else that it takes on the back end i mean i can't even imagine i only i we probably only see you know we scratch the surface of yeah. what's involved in the back end of making that happen that's right so I, mean, they even send, I credit them send people to pick you up at the airport yep. and like they won't take a tip like this is what i'm doing this is yeah. what i'm this you cannot tip me you know yeah, they got the volunteer drivers and they got uh, the uh, car dealership in town donates some luxury vehicles for the week which is great because you can get picked up in a jag or whatever yeah. and you've got somebody that comes and meets you there yeah that's all, pretty it's pretty sweet yeah that's yeah. awesome well i want to talk to you a little bit about uh just kind of getting in w- with an agency you know a lot of comics that listen are in their early years i mean we've got it all the way across the spectrum but a majority of my listeners are probably you know one or two years into it maybe three mm-hmm. and they're starting to build up their time they're getting more consistent with their sets you know, at what point should they even consider approaching an agency, whether it's yours or anybody else's, you know, like 
and what and how should they go about it? I know every agency maybe has a different process, but just some general guidelines for them. Um, I'll say for for us, uh, the the best way to get in with us in general is to have another comic or several comics that will vouch for you mm-hmm. and say, hey, I've seen this guy or girl, I've worked with them, or keep an eye on this person. When another comic that is somebody we already work with and trust will vouch for you, that is probably the number one best way to get in uh, with us. And really, that starts, there's a lot of work before you even approach an agency, as probably you've covered in some of the other podcasts mm-hmm. about networking with other comics and talking to talking to them because they'll know you know, best having dealt with a lot of other agencies. Yeah, that, that's a great point. You know, if, you, if you're out there and you're in your local scene, you're opening for some comics, you can always ask them, you know, who books them on different gigs and kind of start finding out the, the you know, and you really should do the fact finding on your own because, you know, yeah. if I sat here and told you, here's all the steps you need, uh, you really haven't made any networking connections or, or done anything for the person that's vouching for you. Like I always say, you know, if, if you want to make friends with a comic, help him set up his merch table, let him know you can do graphic design, make some posters or yeah, tweak the website, and then and develop a relationship to where they're going to actually want to pay you back and help you out if you've got the goods on stage as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and if you and if you do have if you do approach an agency, it's better if the comic that is referring you makes that connection so that so and so is calling you and saying, Hey, you keep you should keep an eye on this person rather than you contacting the agency and then saying, Hey, this person will vouch for me because that just makes another step for us, one. And two, sometimes even if we do follow up on that, then that person's like, No, man, I just saw, you know, make sure that you've vetted your own yeah. your own reference. You know? That, <laughs> that's happened to me a couple of times where somebody has called me and said, hey, I got in touch with that agency you told me about, and they said that you never talked to them. Like, I just told you about an agency. I didn't <laughs> right, say I was going to call exactly. up and lay my life down on the railroad tracks yep. to stop the train for you. Yep. You know, so yeah, there's a lot of that going into it. I always say, too, you know, the club, just if we look at it just from a club angle, um, the club doesn't know who you are unless you come there and support the club and hang out a little bit afterwards and, and kind of get in the system that way, too. You just can't expect to show up and demand some stage time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And again, if you if you are doing some of that stuff within the local scene, a lot of those guys end up, you know, it'll vary scene by scene. But yeah, it's a lot of those guys will kind of know, have an idea of how that works and the best way to get some stage time at that club. And then I would say if and when you're ready to actually try to reach out to an agency either on your own or if you get that reference, um, presentation's a big thing in professionalism. I mean, we get people that just email us like, hey, I'm ready to do comedy, and then they just send a link, and then there's nothing else <laughs> right. in the email. Or like, we get people that call us still, and they're like, hey, uh, I'm really funny. What I need an agent. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> now, you just detest, I mean, that clearly you do not. <laughs> right. That's right. It must be the... I teach these comedy classes in Nashville, and, and you know, writing and performing and all this stuff. Yep. And I remember this guy came in; he was wearing like, remember those jam pants? Like, yeah. Like yep. Adult yep. pajamas, basically, and they had cows all over them, and he, came, he had a tank top on. And he just walked right in and goes, "Okay, I'm going to take your daggone class, but just tell me who do I need to call to get representation?" <laughs> that was the first thing he said to me. And I said, "Don't even yeah. take my class because if that's right. this, that, you're that's so far walk, beyond, there's no, I can't there. fix you. Right. you know? Yeah. But it is a lot about just you know." Being professional now, when it comes to comics, say you 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 hear about people, you like them, and you want to book them. 
what are some things that make it easy to book comics and actually, you know, present to the different clubs, you know, that you guys book or different corporate gigs? What are they looking for? Um, the number one thing is video, I think. A strong video clip where um, it's good quality. Ideally, the audience is mic'd or you can at least hear the audience mm-hmm. so you're not just performing in a vacuum on stage. You don't have uh, your friend holding it and it's shaking all over the place. Um, so I'd say the total package would be the video, the video clip, some credits, um, somewhere where you can see that you're that they're actually performing on a regular basis. Um, it's tough if you go... Well, if you don't even have a website, <laughs> that's another thing. I mean, a website, having some kind of a presence. It's tough. Facebook's tough. I recommend just having a site if you're at that point. I mean, if you're really ready to... I would say if you're... Even at a at a feature level, if you're if you're working consistently, it's good to have a good clip up there and a calendar that at least says, "Hey, I'm doing mm-hmm. a lot of dates," um, so it doesn't look like I'm just doing this. I did this one bar. Sh- I do one bar show a month or whatever. Right. I mean, um, lend some credibility to yourself that way. And at that point, too, a nice clean headshot, color. Yep. Nice. Yep. Yeah, headshot's good and bio to some extent i don't think any i don't know that it really people put too much i mean for it matters more uh maybe for well even credits probably matter more than a a bio but still good to have in the toolkit you know it's a part of the a part of the press kit for sure Uh and let's say um this is just for my own knowledge as much as anybody else say a company called you up and said hey we need we're looking for a comedian in this kind of price range you know this kind of style or whatever how many clips do you send them to look at initially because I know it could be you can't just say here's everybody right so you kind of narrow it down a little bit based on their request yeah we do um, yeah budget's usually a big a big thing we try to qualify um, when people when companies come to us um, you know I've got pretty a pretty standard list of how's your event gonna run what's your group like what's kind of the event format mm-hmm. um, what kind have you had who have you had before if you've done this before Um what kind of is there a specific kind of comedy? Do you just want ideas? Um, so yeah, we try to get a pretty good sense, and then I would say if it, then we would narrow down based on what we feel is a good fit from those responses. Here are some good comics, and I would say, I mean, if you've got late night clips, that's great. But I would try to limit it to, I mean, even one good three to seven minute clip is pretty good, and then some people want more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, some won't, but definitely, I don't think you really need more than two unless you're doing something wildly different. You know, oh, yeah, like if you have like a specific music set, or you do, you know, or stand up, or you have a hosting reel. Right. So unless you've got a different skill set, then it's good to have maybe a, re- a separate reel that would highlight each of those things that you're capable of doing. Gotcha. And three to seven minutes is pretty doable for people yeah. to sit there and watch, you know, a handful of comics. And yeah, I mean, if they're if people get real, nobody, I think. I think you probably want to avoid sending a full set just because it's so two dimensional mm. to have to watch. Nobody's going to watch an hour of your set, anyways. So a, a couple of good clips that are cut well will yeah. do 
will do justice. And if they really need something more than I tell them, just go see them. Right. Yeah. And I, I think of how many comics haven't watched their own hour set. Yeah, I know. It's hard to get them to watch their own five-minute set you know, sometimes. It, I, I think probably 90% of the comics have never sat there and watched their whole video. Even, no. after, even after they produced a DVD and edited it, they're like, I'm done with that and moving on. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I talk to people where I try to get them to get a reel. Like, there's a couple people that we work with where I'm like, you really need to redo. And there are people that I like to work with. So I'm like, you really need to redo... You're real, and some of them even have late night credits, and it's great. Like those are great to kind of establish um, some credibility. But really, corporate buyers care about that to a lesser extent. I find. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you can show that you are doing stuff in their environment, if you can get a good video, you know, in a ballroom, and you're in their home turf, I mean, that goes a lot further, I think, than even a late night set sometimes. Yeah, I was thinking about that the other day, actually. Like. It'd be nice to show them that you've done some late night. You can show some, yeah. some logos. It's nice for the instant credibility. Like, hey, you did a set. It was pretty recent. It wasn't 20 years. Especially, right. don't show me your 20-year-ago like set. Where if Johnny Carson's introducing right. you, that's great. <laughs> it's too old. But, don't uh, use it. Toss it out. Or put right. it in like a best of reel or something. Yeah. Or just, I, mean, I can imagine just a few quick glimpses yeah. at it in yep, the intro. Exactly. Yep. You know, in the background you where you got your name and, and keep that real short, yep. I'm sure, and just get right into it. But yeah, show them, show them you can work in their home turf is the best way to go and current current Uh video i mean if it's obvious that you're working in a different decade i mean just toss that out it's not even and i think the material would sometimes reflect that yeah you know absolutely how about this jeffrey Dahmer? you know what's the deal with vhs (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's amazing how how many headliners just would keep that last 10 minute bits because they worked 10 years on it right but you know the topic was 10 years ago and they launch into their crocodile dundee bit or their alec whatever that guy was yeah yeah remember those everybody had one of those crocodile hunter bits man and this what is the what is the bit now that is that the guy yeah that's yeah is there a bit now that you see way too much of just i mean because you probably watch enough more video than i do it's really it's really the i don't know that there's i think there's some stuff that's never gonna go away and i think some of that you don't want to go away to an extent because especially for corporate audiences you want it your material to be universal enough Mm -hmm. that you've got a common reference point um so i'd be careful about for corporate stuff getting rid of something that's not i mean you want to talk about your family or your job or you want to those things um but then for for clubs or whatever or for that i mean it really the news cycle is so fast now that facebook i'll see and i'll go through my feed and it's like something donald trump did this today and then there's literally 13 of the same jokes like one after another and the turnover is so fast i mean it's literally daily like and you got to wonder what the staying power of any of that stuff that you see is that's a good point i mean you need to develop that evergreen kind of comedy and that's the stuff that's going to be your a staple of your show no matter what but if you're trying to always update your video with something that happened last week there's always something that's already ahead of that yeah yeah the cycle is so fast for stuff that you're working on so yeah i think yeah to your point the evergreen stuff is good especially especially for uh corporate um stuff so and And anything you can do to show them that you can uh personalize material a little bit usually goes a long way so something in there kind of in their setting and then something that if there's anything they really like that quite a bit if you if you can show that you spend a few minutes like mm-hmm. learning some background about their company or you know you're going to throw to steve in accounting over there it sounds so cheesy and hacky probably to people that think of comedy as just an art form which is right. a whole nother discussion or yeah. whatever <laughs> yeah. but um but really that for corporate stuff that's 
that's gold. They, I mean, that's they like that because they're not coming there to see you anyways. You're going to them. Right. So, that, And that's a big mindset switch I think people need to understand when you move from the clubs to the corporate is, you know, in the club environment, you mentally think they came there to see you, but in the corporate right, environment. Right. Well, even if they, most of the time they probably didn't. Yeah, in yeah. fact. Yeah. you got to play that game at least. <laughs> right, to, to, yes. But when you get to the corporate event, it's really about serving them and, and fulfilling their needs and expectations, yep. you know, head on. And then if you do a great job with that, they'll remember you afterwards. But it is, the more you make it about them, if requested, the better. Yes, absolutely. And I would say even if you just offer, if you are, able, if that's in your skill set and you offer that, I mean, that goes a long way, even if they don't take you up on it mm -hmm. to know that you can do it or even if you just do it anyways. If you spend five minutes on their website before you go perform and have a couple of opening jokes about it or something, I mean, that goes a long way even. Yeah, and one thing I'll just throw in there while we're talking about it is sometimes you you interact with the corporate client or with the contact person, but you really never meet them until you get there. I always look on LinkedIn and see if I can connect with them a couple mm -hmm. of weeks yeah. before the event, and then I can kind of get familiar with them and see if we have any common back. You know, they're, they're a Kentucky Wildcat fan. I'm a Kentucky Wildcat fan. Yeah. And so you have a little bit more of a bonding thing when you get in there instead of, hey, I'm the comedian here. Where should I go? <laughs> you know? Yeah, definitely. And I think the more you can do to build that rapport, I mean, we do for corporate stuff and for college stuff to an extent too for the people that we work with directly we do we advance the show a couple week in ad, weeks in advance and so we put you know we've handled most of the contract and all that mm -hmm. stuff with us way ahead of time so then the show rolls around six months later well then we what we ask talent to do is connect directly with the client and talk through some of that stuff check in make sure that the timing didn't change drastically mm -hmm. i mean we we are doing some of that on our end also but but to make that personal connection between the artist and the and the buyer is uh i think goes a long way and if you've done some of your homework in advance like you just mentioned you know you saw on linkedin that they like the sports team you like or whatever then right. that's nice to find that common ground and, and give it's also, something. also nice to kind of know what they look like if you, right. if you <laughs> yeah, know the right when you walk yeah. in like hey you're janet right right They're like how did you know yeah because you know, they know your picture because right. they got yep. it in the promo kit but yeah and plus it's just being being a good person yeah <laughs> you know? I, well i think and i think a lot of people don't i mean that's something that once you've started doing it or some people take i mean take for granted i mean that also you're you know it's a person and it's another person it's not just like i'm going to show up and go up and like that's it and like yep. the corporate thing's a whole lot there's a lot more hand holding just in general and more on our and our side and i mean if you're working with an agency or you know if you're working directly with clients too i mean it's just it's a whole different ball game than like the difference between us booking clubs is we just put in whoever we want but for corporate you've gone through a whole thing where they want to look you know you're sending them however many different ideas and they're making a selection and you're going there's a lot more back and forth there is and i always maybe think the comics kind of forget the fact that you're not just representing yourself when you're doing that but yeah you know the way you handle yourself will determine whether funny business books that event next year yes you know yeah absolutely and that goes for uh club stuff too i mean the way that you comport yourself off stage is a huge i mean is a huge thing for clubs and for mm -hmm. corporate i mean there's there's a whole nother that's the other half i mean i've seen comics that are not great comics that the club wants to have i mean i got, we got to have this guy every year yeah. and it's like well you know like they're okay but they've really made a connection with the owner or they've got a couple people that come out to see them or you know just from being a, a decent person you know no off stage it's, it's true I, I mean i heard it directly from a club manager in ohio once she's like you're not my favorite comic 
but I like you. Yeah. And, you know, and what, I'd said something once where they put that in jeopardy. I was making fun of another comic, which I shouldn't have done, but I was pretty young in it. Yep. And she's like, you know, the reason that I book you is because I like you. That other comic's way better than you, and right? I actually like him more than you. Yeah. So if you want to work here again, <laughs> stop talking about my comics. You know, this yeah. never done. If, if it's on my roster, I like that person. Right. So don't sit here and dog him, you know? Yep. And it's just such an eye And I was maybe three years into it, but I'm like, oh, yeah, I got it. There's a lot more going on here than just getting behind the microphone. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, if you're, if you're, fun, I mean, what, it's the old Steve Martin quote, be so be so good they can't ignore you yeah yeah exactly i mean so if you're good and you've got you're gonna you'll be fine as long as you're not being you know a crappy person off stage and really doing something to blow up and we've had i mean we've dealt with that where there's we've had comics that have come to a club year after year they do great business for the club but then one year they do something with club management and it's like that week's gone and maybe it doesn't matter to them in the scheme of things they're popular enough or whatever but if you're just starting out especially i mean there's no reason to go in as being cynical or Mm -hmm. angry or talking badly about other clubs or other people or you got to treat it like a job and there's there's the reason there's no comic condos in nice places anymore (laughs) (laughs) somebody screwed it up (laughs) i want i could ask you maybe after we turn off the microphones to name a couple of or you don't have to name the names but some stories of when you guys did have comedy condos or the clubs you booked had them and some comics that just came in, I'm sure you would get some phone calls occasionally on Monday or maybe even Sunday morning when they go in to clean it up and go, you know, that guy was funny, but this is what happened. Um, I Well, I don't think in my time, which has been 11 years, I don't think that there's been a room that we booked that had a condo, maybe one. So there have been hotel stories about somebody not like, I mean, people have wanted to switch rooms. People have... The most egregious one, and I won't name a name, was there was a, a guy who wanted to, didn't like the hotel. It was a fine hotel, but he want, wanted something better. So he left the hotel, and what he ended up doing was getting a bunch of lunch meat, putting it around the room, and then turning the heat up oh, in no. the room, and then just checking out of the the hotel. So nothing too bad like a band where they trash the room or something <laughs> like that, but that was pretty like... Well, you blew up that, like, yep. you blew that up, we're not going to work with you again. And he actually had an agent at the time, and the agent was like, I'm not going to, I don't want to deal with that. Wow. So, so Some poor schmuck walked in that room yeah. thinking it was a subway. <laughs> so, a dead body in there <laughs> yeah, or something? Yeah, what's going on in here? Yeah. Well, that's that's the nice nicest explained story I've heard on that front. Yeah. There's, <laughs> there's yeah. something that goes yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. Worse. I've, I've, yep, <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. Well, that just that's a testament to the kind of guys you book, and you know, you guys are doing your front end research and due diligence before you put people in front of your audiences. And for sure, and the people them. that yeah, the people that you that you can rely on, I mean, are going to get the work first and rely on not only being funny on stage, but also ease of communication. I mean, communication is a huge thing. How quickly you respond to stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, how well people like you, other comics like you, how well clubs like you, how well corporate buyers like you. I mean, it's a whole it's a whole web. It's not just you living working in a vacuum. It's a lot of moving pieces. And let me ask you about this, and there's no right answer to this, but you know, being a comic now, you're not just working on your set, you're you're working on your website, you're being in social media and gaining followers and all those things. Like how much emphasis do you think comics should put on developing that following on social media versus spending time on their act. I mean, everything considered, 
the act has to be the most important thing, but really close behind it, I have to assume, you know, having enough followers, or maybe there's two comics that want to work at the at Dr. Grant's. You like them both the same, but one has 100,000 Twitter followers, the other has zero, or zero social media presence. Is, does that play into um, it does a little bit, and it really depends what level you're at. To your point, if you're talking to people that are just starting out, that doesn't matter, and I think that'll organically build over mm-hmm. time. I think that you should be somewhat active. Like, you shouldn't not be on there. You should have some show that you're on there. You should promote shows that you're on. I mean, if you're, you should, at the very least, you know, if the club's posting about your week coming up or we're excited to have you on whatever social media platform is, at the very least, you should be interacting with that, either retweeting it or reposting it or commenting that, you know, you're excited about your week there and how, at least sharing in some of that promotion, whether you have a hundred followers or a thousand, that at least show, demonstrates, you know, to the club and the bookers, hey, they're invested in their week there and they give a crap about it and it's not just like, you know, yeah, no, just you're another week on the calendar. De- right, yeah, exactly. And then I, I guess as we wrap up, any advice you'd give anybody uh, in general in comedy that they may not be thinking of from the agency's perspective, you know? Um, I would say professionalism is probably the best. I mean, that's professionalism and communication, how quickly you respond to things, um, how you deal with people, whether you, you know, if you've got a hot head or you're, you know, easy Uh to work with. Um, yeah, I would say just professionalism, knowing that we can count on you. You're not going to miss a show, sleep through a show. You're not going to blow out a week the last, you know, you're not going to cancel your date a week from the show for a stupid, you know, yeah, in, not really what I would consider a valid reason. Um, so any of those, just, just realizing that it's a business and it's a relationship. So putting having some value in the relationship with the booker and also asking if you have questions, ask. It's not. I don't think anybody's like so. Everyone's busy, and mm-hmm. it's hard to respond to every request for work. You know, we get. Here's my veils. Here are my veils. Why can't I get back in this? Why can't I get? I mean, just there's no human way to respond. Everyone's doing their best, but right. there's no human way to respond to the volume. But also, if you can have a conversation, or you ask, like, "Hey, how how often should I free? How frequently should I check in? Or, hey, what could I do to do some more of that stuff and be open to some honest feedback?" Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is a different conversation than just sending your avails every week too. And that's a nice way to show that you actually care mm-hmm. about getting in and care about you know getting having that relationship as opposed to just like why how come i'm not getting work or how come i can't get back in this room or how come so and so is not responding i mean coming at it from another angle of like hey i feel like i've tried this and you know a softer side of just like being bitter about it i think is that's really helpful that's good to hear and i think every comic out there needs to occasionally take an honest inventory of where they're at not with their comedy but with the professional side of it and Look, you know, search yourself out on the web as if you were a buyer yeah. or a club booker and see what you've got going on. And if it doesn't look like the quality of stuff that you see people getting booked with have, then it's time to step up that part of it, I'm sure. Yeah, and that's a continual thing. I mean, it is. <laughs> even like I'm, I was kind of dogging on bios earlier that they're not really important or whatever. But the flip side of that is if you go read somebody's bio and then their last credit and their bios from 2009, I mean, that's a red flag like, hey, they're not keeping up 
with or their last video on youtube is from five years ago right i mean you you need to keep refreshing what you've got out there because it matters and whether even if a booker doesn't reply to your email they may go look you up and then you're like and then they see oh they haven't they haven't done a date in five years they have a video that's seven years old right they have a bio that's two sentences or they have whatever if you see that then that's like you're going to the bottom of the pile I mean, so you really do need to keep up what your online presence is. It matters. Absolutely. Well, I think everybody listening has at least one or two things to go tweak today, <laughs> which is the whole purpose of the podcast. Uh, Jameson, thanks a lot for working hey, me. I appreciate your you having me on. It's an honor. And, yeah. and now, so you've got kids' pictures on your desk. So, man, it just yeah. Are you, you going to get them in the business? You think? I don't know. No, no hard pressure. But if they want to, my my oldest daughter's pretty organized. So if she wanted <laughs> if she wanted to, I wouldn't be opposed. No file cabinets though. No so more file cabinets. A, no more VHS tapes. That's right. It'll be a whole new world by the time she gets gets old enough. Yeah. No, you'll be booking holograms. I know. Gosh, I know. I've seen some of this. It's right around the out there. Yep. Hey, thanks again. Thank you. There you go. What an informative uh, conversation that was. And it was also great for me just to kind of catch up with how business runs at the Funny Business Agency now. I used to work uh, first for his dad, John Yoder, many moons ago. Still uh, do some shows for him, but also do a lot of stuff with Jameson in the corporate division of the Funny Business Agency. Great stuff. Super thankful I had time and he had time for me so I could get you guys some insight into how an agency works. I know you guys have had a lot of questions about that and uh, happy to provide some information. Uh, again, just a couple of quick dates that you might be interested in. Don't forget the Clean Comedy Challenge. We'll hear more from that in just a second. But also the Business of Comedy class taking place just outside of Nashville on May 13th from 1 to 4 p.m. That's a Saturday afternoon. Uh, lots of information. You walk out of there. It's like a 45-page workbook kind of manual on how to go about the comedy business and do things the right way. Uh, the CCA, Christian Comedy Association Conference, June 4th through 6th, also in the Nashville area. Uh, those two things you want to check out. And now let's one more time take a listen to our sponsor and i'll talk to you guys next week stay funny and stay safe out there you guys the clean comedy challenge invites comedians of all levels to have a chance to work on a real comedy stage with real comedy pros watching and privately critiquing you it's eddie brill Dwayne kennedy Dobie maxwell jimmy brogan dennis regan they'll all be on board for these private critiques and seminars so you don't want to miss out it's no auditioning early fee before May 1st. Go to www.cleancomedychallenge.com. When you register, make sure you mention the School of Laughs podcast so I know where you came from. Thanks for listening to the School of Laughs podcast. If you'd like to hear more School of Laughs podcasts, you can find them on iTunes and Stitcher.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. For information on upcoming live and online classes, visit schooloflaughs.com. Until next time, stay tuned, stay focused, and stay money.